Have you ever experienced someone just like talking about you while you're um, in a crowd of people? Or maybe somebody points you out and says, there he is, or she's right here. Or using your name and you overhear it. I kind of imagine that's what it would have been like for Jesus in our gospel passage today. As John the Baptist draws attention to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That might be a strange thing for us to hear. He didn't use his name. He called him the Lamb of God. But why, why would Jesus be called the Lamb of God? What does that mean? Where does that come from? We might recall from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, that as the Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt, in order for them to be set free from Pharaoh, God performed ten different plagues. And the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn son. And the only way the people could be spared the death of the firstborn son is if they participated in the Passover meal. Central to the Passover meal was the Passover lamb, an unblemished lamb, one who had to be slaughtered and have its blood put on the doorpost and the lintel, so that when the angel of death came, seeing the blood of the lamb, it would pass over that house, leaving all inside safe. And the Egyptians, who did not know anything about this Passover ritual, uh, unfortunately suffered the plague. But after losing their firstborn sons, they set the people free. The Hebrew people were allowed to leave in order to worship their God. And so this Passover meal with the Passover lamb in the Old Covenant is then being replaced by Jesus in the New Covenant, and he makes himself the Passover lamb. He has himself slaughtered on the altar, spilling his blood for our sake. We're not spared earthly death, but we are spared from eternal death, that we can actually go to heaven instead of missing out on heaven and ending up in hell. Jesus offers us the grace necessary to go to heaven, But how is it that this new Lamb of God, this new Passover Lamb, gives us that grace? How is it applied to us personally and individually? Well, the way that that happens is through the sacraments. And the first of the sacraments is baptism. And that's what we hear about in our gospel passage today. John the Baptist, as he has identified Jesus, he then goes on to talk about the baptism that Jesus is going to offer, one that includes the Holy Spirit. John was baptizing, but his baptism was not the sacramental baptism that we have today. The baptism that Jesus provides is our sacrament of baptism, which allows us entrance into the new covenant, the one that he establishes, so that we can participate and receive the grace that he won for us on the cross, because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we need that grace. The grace offered to us from baptism is called sanctifying grace. Sanctifying meaning to make holy. We are being made holy by the grace of God through the sacraments. And God guarantees that he's giving us this grace through the sacraments. 
If it's done correctly, then we know that grace is given. We don't have to wonder or be concerned that perhaps somehow it didn't happen. We know with certainty that's the point of the sacraments. God can give his grace in many ways, but he guarantees it through the sacraments. And so sanctifying grace, which is given to us in baptism, is necessary for us to enter into heaven. And in fact, we get that from sacred scripture. Jesus himself, when talking to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5, says, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Notice he mentioned water and spirit. There actually has to be water. It's a part of baptism, the sacrament of baptism. We also hear from St. Peter in his first letter, chapter 3, verses 21 to 20, verse 20 to 21. He says, In the days of Noah, a few persons, eight in all, were saved through water. This prefigured baptism, which saves you now, it is not a removal from dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, we see that sacramental baptism and the grace given to us is necessary for our salvation. This baptism is one that replaces circumcision. Circumcision was the way that they entered into the Old Covenant. And on the eighth day, that's when the boys were circumcised. And both boys and girls would get their name on the eighth day. And that's how they enter into the Old Covenant. They become a part of the people of God. In the New Covenant... We have a different thing. We have the sacrament of baptism. It replaces circumcision. And through it, we enter into this new relationship with God, this new relationship with his community. We become a part of the people of God through this sacrament. St. Paul tells us that this replaces circumcision in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. He says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not administered by hand, by stripping off the carnal body with the circumcision of Christ. You are buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So we see that if this is replacing the old covenant circumcision, if this is the way to enter into the covenant, then it even applies to infants, that they too should be receiving baptism and entering into the people of God, continuing the tradition that had previously taken place. We also see that this is true in the Acts of the Apostles. In chapter 16, verse 15, it says, Lydia and her household had been baptized. And then in the same chapter, in verse 33, we hear the jailer and his family were baptized at once. And St. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I baptized the household of Stephaninus also. Notice we're talking about whole families, whole households. This includes children, which means they were being baptized too. And the reason we do that is so that they have the grace to go to heaven. Even though they aren't able to profess faith with their own lips, they are given the grace, they are given faith, hope, and charity through the sacrament of baptism so that they too can go to heaven. Now, God binds himself to the sacraments such that he always gives his grace through the sacraments when they're celebrated correctly. But he can give his grace any way he wants, and he can give his grace outside of the sacraments. He's not limited to the sacraments, but he always gives his grace in the sacraments. And so for those who unfortunately may pass before they have the opportunity for baptism, 
we hope and we pray on their behalf that God in some way will still grant them the graces necessary for heaven. But we don't have that guarantee because the way God guaranteed to give the grace is through sacramental baptism. And so we have this great gift of being able to become a part of the family of God. This great gift in which the grace won for us on the cross by the Lamb of God is offered to us. We know that we are already in relationship with God from the moment of our conception, as we hear from our first reading, where Jeremiah tells us about how he was formed in the womb. We know that we are creature to the Creator at that point, beloved creatures of God, but through baptism, a new relationship with God is established. Through baptism, we become the children of God. We become his beloved sons and daughters through the Son, Jesus Christ, through our union with him in the sacrament. Sanctifying grace is not only given in the sacrament of baptism, it's given in all of the sacraments. Yes, initially in baptism, but it's strengthened and intensified in all the other sacraments, too. Sanctifying grace is intensified when we receive our Lord in Holy Communion. I hope the phrase, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is familiar. It's said at every Mass, shortly before we have Holy Communion. The priest says that, and he's talking about Jesus in the Eucharist. The same Lamb of God that John identified is identified for us, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Eucharist. And so Jesus is before us. He is offered to us. We are being spiritually nourished when we worthily receive our Lord in Holy Communion, so that we receive an increase in sanctifying grace and so many other graces as well, such that... We become more like Jesus. We become holier when we receive him worthily and well in Holy Communion, when we're well disposed, when we're aware of who it is that we're receiving and welcome him not only into our bodies, but into our souls, into the depths of our hearts. God loves us. He created us out of love. And he loves us so much, he also overcomes original sin and offers us the opportunity for heaven through the sacraments. And so it's important for us to worthily and well receive these sacraments, to approach humbly and frequently receive, so that we can be the best version of ourselves, so that by receiving God's grace, we can not only be united to him all the more, but united to each other and more loving towards each other, because we will become more like Jesus. I mean, who doesn't want to love their family better and more? Who wouldn't want to be more virtuous and be the best version of themselves? God offers us the grace to do that through the sacraments. And should we go astray, should we lose sanctifying grace by mortal sin, we can get it back again through a spiritual resurrection in the sacrament of confession, such that our Lord can continue to give us his grace and continue to strengthen us through these sacraments. So let us reflect upon how much we are loved and blessed by God through this guaranteed way of receiving his grace in the sacraments, as we prepare to receive him in the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist. P.S. I would like to add that in case of an emergency, if someone is dying and hasn't been baptized, that person can be baptized by anyone. That's right. Anyone can baptize in case of an emergency. So, for example, if it was a newborn infant in the hospital and no priest or deacon was available 
and they're not sure what's going on with the infant, but the infant could die from whatever illness it's struggling from, then the nurse, the doctor, mom, dad, the uncle, anyone can baptize that child in danger of death by simply pouring the water and saying the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It does have to be water, and you do need to intend to do what the church does. But in case of an emergency, anyone can baptize anyone. And this is great news because we want everyone to be able to have the grace of God that's guaranteed in sacramental baptism. So let us rejoice for the love that God has for us and the ways that he guarantees that he gives us his grace through all of the sacraments. Thank you and God bless.